Thanks for checking out the New Hope Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you and transform you into who God is calling you to be. You are loved. Enjoy. Things Jesus never said. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the, this idea um, of, this is kind of a quote, but I think our culture thinks this might be true. It's untrue. Go, uh, go Jesus said, didn't say, go do whatever makes you happy. Jesus never said that. If you look all throughout scripture, you will notice that Jesus never said, just do whatever makes you happy. Right? He didn't say, go into all the world and preach whatever makes people happy. Right? He didn't say that. Whoever wants to be my disciple must affirm themselves, avoid the cross, and follow their own heart. He didn't say that. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Amen? So today we're going to jump right into this scripture, and you've, you've probably heard this story before, but I think by the end of this message, you're going to get a little bit more out of it. You ready? So grab your phone, grab something to take notes on, we're going to jump right in. John 8, starting in verse 2. John 8, starting at verse 2. At dawn, he, who's Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Let's pause there for a second. I know at church you're like, Pastor Landon, we've talked about this verse before. Yes, we have, but we're going to go deeper today, okay? Imagine this situation that Jesus is finding himself in. You've got these Pharisees all along. They're trying to trap Jesus somehow, some way. That, hey, if, I, if we can just get Jesus in a trap, then we can do something about this guy. And then you think about this woman who is caught in adultery. Now, I don't know about you, but yes, she was in probably, she's in a wrong, of course. But aren't the people who like caught her in the wrong, kind of in the wrong as well? So we got a kind of a crazy situation, and I love how the the Bible doesn't uh, doesn't sugarcoat anything, right? It just tells us the story. It just tells you know. Imagine if we wrote it, we'd be like trying to like say, okay, how can I do this in a G-rated way, right? This story. How can I make? How can I take this and and make it? And then it goes on to say, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. woman. Now, what do you say? So they're asking Jesus, like, okay, what can we do here to trap Jesus? And really, it's kind of complicated, isn't it? Because what they're saying is true. That's the law of Moses. That's, that's what the law of Moses said if someone was caught in adultery. That's what they did. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. So it's complicated. She is guilty. You know, so if Jesus agrees, he loses his reputation of love. People are like, wait a second, I thought Jesus loved people. Well, how could he be part of this? But if he doesn't do anything, he's condoning adultery, which he also doesn't agree with, right? He doesn't agree with that sin, doesn't agree with any sin. But look what it says here in the next part of verse 6. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So the, the, the old question is, 
what did Jesus write on the ground? Right? Have you ever asked that question before? What, what did Jesus write on there? He's like, Phil. Yeah, that's you, Phil. I checked out your Google searches this week, and this is what the list was of your Google searches. All right, Bart. I just spelled Bart wrong on the floor, sorry. All right, Bart. You know, and he starts writing everybody. That's what some scholars think, that he's, he, he got on the ground and he started writing everyone's sin to show them, like, hey, she was caught in adultery. What about you guys? What have you done this week that is sinful, that you could be stoned for according to the law of Moses, right? He starts writing it in the dirt. Look what it says a verse further on here. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You know, um, when I did some research about this, this verse, it didn't just say without sin in the original. It said without even wanting to sin. It's not without sin because, hey, maybe that day, this guy over here, he just woke up. He didn't sin yet <laughs> that day, right? But it, Jesus didn't just mean without sin. It was without even having or wanting to sin at all. Now, if I, had, if I asked you to raise your hand this morning, probably, hopefully, unless there's a couple middle schoolers in the room, <laughs> we would all agree and say, yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat all those people are. I'm not without sin. And sometimes I want to sin. We're just being real here today, right? Being real? It's easy to see someone. Have you noticed this? It's easy to see someone else's sin or problems, right? It's so easy, isn't it? The Bible talks about it. You got a plank in your own eye and you're trying to get the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Man, I have been there so many times. We overlook ourselves like, well, mine's not that bad. We're so forgiving of ourselves. Like, oh. And then when someone else does, we tackle them about it. Or I can't believe so-and-so did such and such. Come on. We've all been there before. We've complained about people. We've been critical of people, and then the next day we do the exact same thing, right? Man, I, I do this with my daughter. I'm like, Emma, you can't, you know, whatever it is. And then 20 minutes later, I'm doing the same thing. It's easy to see other people's sins. And what Jesus is trying to show us partially through this story is that he has grace, not just for her, but she, he has grace for Bart, <laughs> quite a name. And then he also has grace for Phil. Okay, Phil, riding in the dirt there. But as we go through this story a little bit, we're going to understand that grace is not something that, that Jesus says, okay, 
Just do whatever makes you happy. You're going to see at the end here what he says. Let's look a little further. John 8, 8, verse 8. Again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away at a, one at a time. The older one first, because they're wiser, right? They're like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> he got me. And then the younger one's like, I'm going to show Jesus up. He doesn't know what I searched on Google for this week. And the older one and then the younger, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. But look, here's the kicker. Here's the grace that Jesus has. It's not a grace that says, go do whatever makes you happy. Rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Right? No, he says, go now, leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we get to come together and hear your word. I pray that you speak today to your people, that your word would be illuminated in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. amen. So he didn't say go and do whatever makes you happy. Go now and follow your heart. It doesn't matter what you do. You do you, boo-boo. You've heard that before, right? You do you, boo-boo. No, he's saying, go now. He was urgent in his request. Go now, leave your lives of sin. Be different. Be free. Be set apart. Amen. Okay, we got a couple amens there. Go. Why do we give into the into temptation to sin. Why do we give in? We're like, it's, it's kind of that eternal, not even eternal, but that we, we're born and then right away, Emma, like the, first, like the second word that she learned was mine. What about your kids, Shannon? Was it mine? Come on. That's my, whatever it is, right? Mine. Right away, we're selfish. Right away, we're, we're sinning in some form or fashion. But also, sin sounds fun, doesn't it? Like, I can't agree to that in church, Pastor Landon. Listen, so it sounds fun sometimes, right? You're like, I can't say it. I still can't. You asked me twice, I can't say it in church. I'm perfect, Pastor Landon. But if you think about it, if you look back over your life, it's pleasurable for a time, it's fun for a moment. For a little while. But the first point today is this. Sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventually pain to you. It only lasts for a little while. The pleasure, young person, only lasts for a moment. And then pain, pain, pain. Ooh. 
So imagine, you think of this woman now, right? We're like, we're kind of like the Pharisees sometimes. Like, oh, that woman's the worst woman ever. She was sinning. She wasn't married to the guy she was with. It was a bad situation. We're like, oh, that's a bad sin. That's terrible. It is. But we're saying that not in it's terrible. It's in like, oh, I've never done anything that bad. I've only like lied and got drunk that one time at that one party. I'm not as bad as her. She's terrible. But you know what? She might just be just like one of us. She got in a bad situation. Right? She may have some bunch of excuses. My husband's inattentive. He's abusive. He's this or he's that. She finds a nice guy at work. Gives her some attention. Oh, you're this, you're that. And before you know it, they're in a relationship together that's ungodly. It's that quick. It's that easy. It looks good on the outside, but it causes pain. Splits families, marriages. Hey, I've been part of that myself. When, when I was eight years old, my, my dad cheated on my mom. I was the youngest of three. Had an older brother, older sister, and my parents got a divorce, and my, my life looked maybe a lot different than what it could have looked like. I'm not complaining. However, that one decision, and let me be real with you, for a minute, two minutes, ten minutes of pleasure, messed up a lot. Pain, right? Sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventual pain to you. And people around you, not just to you. We have to realize that we, in our decision making, doesn't just decide on what we do. It's like, oh, whatever makes me happy. You do you, boo-boo. Right? You do whatever you, David, whatever makes you happy, sir. But you know what? what? What we do that makes us happy a lot of times can mess up little lives, little kids, little whatever it might be. You know, in our culture, people approach life with this, with this rel- relativistic belief. It's relativism, relativism. In our culture, it means... You know what, there's no, our culture says there's no real absolute truth. You've probably heard this. If you've watched TV or if you, whatever you've watched or been part of, you've, you've noticed our culture is saying, you know what, there's no real like black or white truth. In this book, there's some, there's some white and there's some black right here. My book has black and white. Some of ours has some red, too, that's right. And those are, those are important, too. But our culture is saying that, you know what, it's, it's relative. Whatever makes me happy is right for me. That is not true. And I'm here to declare it today, that is not true. 
Because what makes me happy sometimes definitely doesn't make God happy. It doesn't glorify what God, who God wants me to be and who God has called me to be in my purpose. What's true to you, you know, I've talked to people, maybe young people as a youth pastor, he's like, well, that's great for you, Pastor Landon, but that, that's, that's not what I believe. That's not what, God, what, I, what I think. I, I want to do me. I, I want to be happy. It's kind of a way for people to do whatever they want to do. And as Christians, I know a lot of us maybe go on Facebook and we get upset with the world for what they do. This isn't a, a talk to, to get us annoyed with what the world does or what other political affiliations do or whatever it might be. That, that's not it at all. We need to do what, who, who God's called us to be. Right? Right? And introduce people to Jesus. Amen? Amen? How can we introduce people to Jesus when we're always putting them down on social media? Wow. Just a question. All right, let's go to the next one. Without a belief in absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. It's not going to hurt anybody. The next one, three. When the bottom line is my happiness, happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. Well, listen, I'm only doing that because I want to further my happiness. I'm only making this decision because I want to be happy. Sorry I've messed up your life. Sorry I've done this. Sorry I've, I've gone down the wrong road, but I'm just trying to be happy. You know, so there's a problem. So many think happiness, and now this comes back to us as a church, so many of us think that happiness and holiness are separate. It's not. Remember, okay, listen, if you were like me growing up, maybe a kid or a teenager, like, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, it's like, I've got all these rules, I've got all these regular. it's not going to be fun at all. It's not going to be, I've got to go to church every Sunday, I've got to go to this, I got to go to that. I'm going to be holy, but I'm not going to have much fun. That's untrue. That's not true at all. You think you have to choose one or the other. Oh, I'm going to be joyful and happy, or I'm going to be holy. I believe that God, as we pursue Him, will have joy, and we can be holy all at the same time. Come on. I thought it wasn't going to be fun. Listen, how is, how is going to New Hope Church not fun? We're blowing stuff up on Thursday. Fireworks. It's going to be awesome. Like, come on. I get to be part of a church that shoots off fireworks. That's fun. That makes me happy. It's not hurting anybody. You do you, boo-boo. Listen. Look what it says in Matthew seven eleven. 7-Eleven. Now you all are thinking of Slurpees. Okay. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts 
to those who ask him. Listen, God gives us great gifts. I can think back through my life. I thought about it uh, when I was going through this sermon and putting it together. I was thinking about my life and, and, you know, I've followed the Lord since I was 14 years old and I never got into, I don't have like one of those testimonies, right, where it's like I was on drugs or I did all, all of these things. God kept me from all of those. So I, a lot of years I'm like, man, I don't have a good testimony at all. But I believe I do. God kept me from all of those things. I'm not saying I was perfect. Not at all. But God kept me from a lot of pain because maybe I made the, the right choices and, and he held me from some of those things. Or I saw a lot in my life where, man, I don't want to be like that person over here. Following God has changed my life. I always thought my testimony was weak. But now when I look back, I was like, wow, I've been married for 14 years to the same woman. We were virgins when we got married. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Just being real today. Being real. I've had lots of fun. I've got to go out of the country. I've got to, to work all over the United States. It's been fun. And you can have fun with God. Young person, don't think that because you're a follower of Jesus, you can't have fun. I believe you can have the most fun when it's with God. Amen? I think our culture is looking for, for happiness. They're looking for holiness in all the wrong places with relationships. Imagine, I was thinking about this. We, we, we try to put ourselves in these situations that we weren't created to be put in. Imagine a fish comes up on the shore. It's like, okay, yeah, fish, that's your, that's your place, right? We start, we start telling this fish, it's like, you were meant to be on the beach. And the fish is like, no, I'm not. He's like flopping all, flopping all over the place. Is he happy on the beach? He's flopping all over the place. So we start giving the fish stuff, right? Right? Oh, come get drunk with us, fish. We give him a beach chair and some sunglasses. We set him up with an Instagram account so he can take selfies. That fish is not happy. Do you know where that fish was created to be? In the water. Do you know where we were created to be? With Jesus. Come on, church. Those people that aren't with Jesus look silly sometimes because they're there flopping on the, on the beach where they're not created to be. And then Christians are like, man, I can't believe, and they start, start putting them down like, I can't believe. But you know what? They don't know where their creator meant them to be. And that's what your job is to do, not be mad at them for what they think or mad at them for what they're doing that's wrong. Your job is to introduce them to Jesus. Amen? That fish will never be happy on the beach. You weren't made for earth. That's why I think we need to lower our expectations for earth, for where we're physically living right now. 
I think we have too many expectations for where, for, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these things. It's going to be awesome. And I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying pursue good things and get a great job and have a nice house and do all those things. That's great. But we need to lower our expectations because those are just, those things are going to go away someday. That at the end of the day, it's just going to be you and God. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. Let's party. Right? It's going to be the most fun you've ever had. Amen. Number four, holiness isn't mutually exclusive of happiness. Holiness is the pathway to true happiness and joy. I know that's a mouthful. Holiness is the pathway to true joy. Look what it says in Psalm 1611. I'm about done, Caleb, if you want to come. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. You want to have fun? God has eternal pleasure for you. You want to have joy? Guess what? Get in his presence. You're like, Pastor Landon, I feel like I'm lost. You know why? You're probably not getting in his presence. Because in his presence, what does it say? There's fullness of joy, the scripture says. Amen. And that's where we were meant to be. We weren't meant to be on the beach flopping around like a lunatic. We were meant to be in relationship with Jesus. That's what we were born for. That's our purpose in life. And everything else, the Bible says, will be added unto you. But get it right. Put it in order. What does it say? I think we all forget what it says before everything. We love the part where it says everything will be added unto you. Right? We love that part, right? I love that part, Stephanie. It's like everything will be added unto you. But remember what it says before that. Seek and underline first the kingdom of God. Get in his presence and everything will be added unto you. Amen? Amen. I want to end with this scripture. And I want to think about this for a minute. You're like, but pastor, I feel like I'm still in this... I'm tempted all the time. I don't feel like, like we talked about earlier, that my path is straight. I'm having a a hard time with this sin. I'm having a hard time with this relationship. And I just can't get it right. I can't get it right. And that's true for a lot of us. Right? We get in this terrible wheel. It's like, okay, I'm great. And then you go to the bottom, you're like... You keep kind of, you keep cycling around. But look what it says in 1 Corinthians. And I want to, this is my challenge for you today. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Church, there is a way out every time. God promises you. You're like, oh no, I was tempted and I gave in to temptation. There was no way out. You decided. Will you decide, I decided to follow Jesus? Or will you decide to follow what you're tempted in? God is faithful. Amen? God is not going to put something in Scripture that is not true. People are like, well, they've written it so many times and this. You know what? Our God is bigger than someone translating the Bible. Come on, church. Our God is bigger than, than, than that. If He wants to give us the Word of God, He will make sure in 2019 we have the Word of God. Don't get hung up on arguing about King James and NIV and the blah, blah, blah. I'm here to tell you that God's given us the Scripture. And it is good. And we can rely on the Scripture. Amen? Sorry if I offended anybody about that. But look what it says. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What? You can endure the temptation. Being tempted is not, you're not sinning when you're tempted, right? Giving in to the temptation is where you sin. When you find yourself trapped, he's there. Look, number five, last one. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when tests come along, when you're tempted. Consider it pure joy. You're like, what? Because guess what? Another moment in your walk with the Lord to lean on Jesus. Like, no, Pastor Lane, I only lean on Jesus when I have to. Lean on him every day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's urgent, right? Jesus was urgent with this lady. There was an urgency about his voice. Go now, leave your life to sin. Be full of hope. It's not a fear of what's bad. I think a lot of times, church, we focus too much on the bad. We focus too much on, oh, I did this, I did that. I sinned here. We focus on, man, am I going to, you know, imagine if you drove every time you got in your vehicle and drove, it's like, man, I'm going to have an accident today. No, no, I'm going to this destination and I'm going to come home safe and sound. So let's not focus on the fear of what's bad. Let's long for what's good. And that's God. Let's long for who gives us joy, and that's Jesus. Let's long for the things of heaven. Let's long for uh, for freedom. Amen. Come on. Let's stand up this morning before we go. If you could stand. Now, if you think about this, and, and this is for anybody who needs it, but I wanted to end with this today. A lot of times we have remorse, right? 
we can't forgive ourselves. God can forgive us, but we can't. You need to forgive yourself. Don't have that remorse. Because guess what? We can repent. Repent. You know what? Repent. I've, I, I saw it in a different way this week. A lot of times at churches we say, if you repent, that just means you're turning around, right? And you're going the other direction. Well, repent actually means I'm turning from the lower things down here and I'm going toward the higher things, which is the Lord up here. So let me read this. I, we put repent in like this whole thing. If you rebuke, or the word re, if we rebuke the enemy and return to God by repenting of your sins and receiving Christ, your spirit will be reborn, your mind renewed, your life rebuilt. You will be reconciled by Christ's redeeming work and reap the rewards of relationships causing revival to break free. Come on, let's close our eyes for a moment. If you're in here this morning, say, this morning, I want to repent. I want to turn from the lowly things and turn toward God. Would you just say, that's me today? This isn't a call to your first time salvation. This is just a call to say, hey, I want to repent. I've been doing things I shouldn't be doing. I want to just say with a declaration of raising my hand, I want to repent today. Would you do that? All over the place. Amen. Thank you. And so as we pray today, would you just tell God, hey, God, I'm repenting from this. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me whole again? I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Give me the gift of your Holy Spirit. Help me to be the person you've called me to be. I don't want to be like a fish on a beach. I want to live in my purpose, and my purpose is with you. Where I have happiness, where I have joy, where I have contentment, and where I have freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.